0: Welcome, everyone, to the second in our series of Satori Season Talks. And tonight, uh, we're going to continue uh, what we began last week with, which is honoring uh, my Jewish and Christian roots, and doing that because we are entering into the national holiday of Christmas. So last week, I... Uh, took a passage from the Psalms, and this week I'm going to take a passage from John 10.10, and before I give you the passage, I just want to say something about a mentor of mine uh, who who recently transitioned, crossed over, and that person was John Shelby Spong. Excuse me. John Shelby Spong was a priest and then a bishop in the Episcopal Church in the United States, and a huge, huge influence in my life, both as a priest and as a theologian. I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Bishop Spong while he was still the bishop of Newark the Diocese of Newark in New Jersey and a friend of mine who was going through a difficult time and was seeking to find uh, a job essentially in another diocese, uh, we went down to see Bishop Spong and Bishop Spong was just so kind to this man and so understanding of what he was going through and I was just so impressed with him as a priest. And then I began to read his books. <laughs> I remember one time when we were together, I said, you know, I began reading you way back with his first book, Honest Prayer. And he says, wow, you really have been with me a long time. And uh, so his books are, are well known in the theological world. Uh, he's had a number of bestsellers on the New York Times. He was the kind of guy that was on uh, Phil Donahue and Bill Maher. And um, part of it was because he was a bit of a maverick. Uh, He was a very strong proponent for uh, the ordination and the uh, ministry of women in the church. And he did the same thing for the gay and lesbian community. And so he was always a strong proponent of uh, being there for people, but also a wonderful theologian. And I remember um, <clears throat> a while ago when we were together, uh, I remember saying to him, and you have to remember that you know, at the time I was in the Episcopal Church, and then when I left the Episcopal Church and came out as a Buddhist, <laughs> and I started uh, this community 20-some years ago, Um, You know, it was difficult because I had a lot of people I loved and respected in the Episcopal Church, and Jack Spong was one of them. And so I think they, they were very kind and understanding of my need to do what I needed to do. But I think they also always wanted to have me back, which was very sweet. But I remember, you know, saying to Jack one time, you know, his theology seemed very Buddhist to me. (laughs) And he he admitted that. He admitted that there was a lot of wisdom that he was getting from that tradition. But for him, Christianity was his home. That was the place where he uh, found his own path of oneness. But he honored mine. And the last time we were together was at a retreat at Kirkridge. Uh, in Pennsylvania Retreat Center, and I uh, one of the greatest joys of my life was when uh, he asked me if I would write the liturgy for our retreat weekend. That was a real thrill for me, and likewise, at the same time, he was trying to say he had the perfect church for me to come back to, <laughs> so he passed uh, recently great writer, great theologian. Uh, And his favorite passage is the one that I'm going to talk about tonight a little bit. And that was John 10.10. This was his favorite passage in the whole Bible. And the passage is, I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. So for him, this was the essence of the message of Christ. That is the whole point, that... They may have life, and have that life in abundance. And I also truly love that passage. And when I look at it through the transcendent eyes of oneness, what does it mean? Well, for me, I come, or I have come, that they may know or may have. Uh, I think of that as, you know, all the teachers that have awakened to the oneness of all life, and all of them that have come to give us this word of liberation and help us to live our lives fully. You know, the popular phrase is to have our best life. And I think that all the great teachers, all the great sages have done so. And certainly I devoted my life to hopefully sharing that same path, that same way. So I, I think of that first part is that you know all true teachers come to bring life. All true teachers, true te- true teachers want us to have what we say. You know, we call it the Bodhisattva's way of life, which is to live fully, love freely, and give completely. To me that is the abundant life. To me the abundant life isn't really about things. To me the abundant life is about those three foundations. And what does it mean to live fully? You know, Jack would often say that to worship God for him meant to to live fully. That for him the greatest way to express Worthy, worthyship, which is what the word worship means, worthyship of God or oneness, uh, was to live fully, to live your life um, not afraid of failure, um, not afraid to express yourself personally, and not having to conform to anybody else's ideas of who you should be or what you should do, and not competing or comparing or contrasting yourself with anyone anymore. To me, that's what living fully is all about. And then to love freely means that we we allow our heart to open up beyond our normal attachments. I mean, it's easy to to love the people we're attached to. But it's harder to love people that we're not attached to. And we might even have a little bit of aversion to. It's hard to show them loving kindness. But I believe when we're living that abundant life, we're allowing our hearts to be open, to embrace even those that we might have one time found unembraceable. And then finally, to give completely. To get completely to me means that I'm not going to rely on how I'm feeling in a given moment to guide me. So whether I'm feeling good or I'm feeling bad, I'm not going to allow that to take me off my course. And I'm going to give completely of myself in that moment, whatever it is I'm doing. I'm not going to have myself here, in my mind over there. If I'm with someone, I want to give my complete self to them. And so it's kind of the opposite of multitasking, one might say. And so that, to me, is also that I'm giving not from my ego self. In other words, that my ego self might be the vehicle that delivers these things, but that I'm giving from my true self. When I'm giving from my true self, that's when I find that I have capacities that transcend my ego self. And not the ego self is bad. The ego self is in the true self or ultimately one. Um, and the ego self is me traveling through time and space in this particular moment. But the true self is the ground of being. And the true self is the source of being. And when I'm in that grounding, through my practices, then I never feel burned out. I never feel like I don't have more to give. And it becomes a, a well with an endless reserve of sacred waters. So for me, that's what it means to live abundantly, to live fully, to live freely, and to give completely.